got a lot of stuff in me. I just don't know how to get it out. You ever been that way before? And, you know, you just, I'm just going to start grunting up here and it'll come out one way or the other, I guarantee. Look, look with me in Psalm 80. Psalm 80. And uh, read some scriptures and, and um, then I'm going to do some things. Boy, I'm excited about our kids and the teams that are on the mission field and you know, I, I would to God that we show up in the future. And I know there'll be people coming because of what God's doing and miracles. And I just believe salvation. But I, I pray there'll be a day there'll be few of us here because everybody's on the mission field. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? You know, that, you know, the Moravians, there were those who stayed behind and they sent those who went to the ends of the earth. And uh, so we're just really, I'm, I'm just, I can't believe that we're sending out teams and there are many more to come. Anyway, Psalm 80. You got it with me. Verse 1. How many of you say, I got it? All right. Help us, God. I feel like there's a little lull, a little quietness here. I'm going to try to break through that quietness and, and uh, shake heaven and earth. You know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. You know that. We're not just here just to tiptoe through the tulips along through life. We need to shake a few demons up, send some fear into the courts of hell. And, uh, and that's what God's Word does. So anyway, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. How many of you know we need him to shine forth? Shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. And so he says, shine forth, stir up your strength and save us. Verse 3, restore us, O God, cause your face to shine upon us. Then skip down to verse 14, return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted and the branch that you made strong for yourself. It is burned with fire, it is cut down, they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. 
then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. Now, I know that there's an aspect of revival that will not happen until the people pray. How many of you know that? God moves in answer to prayer. There's also prayer that comes as a result of revived people. When there's revival, you can't but help people showing up for prayer. It's just going to be a natural product. And that's what he says. Revive us and we will call upon your name. And then verse 14, restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine upon us and we shall be saved. Now turn over to Psalm 85 and verse 6. And here's the question. He says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? So just join me in prayer and then I want to get into something. Lord, we thank you for this morning and, and God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know there's absolutely nothing we can do to see what we know that you put in our heart come to pass except believe you. And so, Lord, we believe. You said, what must we do to do the works of God? And so we believe in your Son, and we thank you for your word, that your word will not return void. We thank you, God, when we, when we declare your word from this pulpit, that it's going to many places in the earth. And, God, we thank you that it will accomplish your purpose. Lord, I thank you that you're not a God that promises us vain promises, Lord. You're not a man that you should lie. The things you're putting in our heart, you want to bring to pass. And so, Lord, we ask you to come this morning. Come like you've never come before and break through the heavens. Lord, I ask you, reveal yourself to us. Reveal your glory. We thank you you've done that through your Son and through the cross. But God, we ask you now for a, a revelation, a manifestation of your glory. And we honor you, we bless you, we exalt you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's something I've been holding on to for years. And I, I started, I guess two weeks ago, just sharing a couple of things on this article that was written by Charles Finney on hindrances to revival. And I've been holding that. It's been in my computer. But I felt like this is the time to share it. And so I want to continue with a couple of more of those points and then next week we'll finish it up and then I want to go to somewhere else in the scripture. But uh, what would cause the spirit to wane when the wind begins to blow? What would, what would grieve a whole, the Holy Spirit when there's an outpouring of the spirit in the midst of the people? You know what I mean? That's what Charles Finney wrote about. Uh, this week, Shirley and I went to the cove. How many of you know what the cove is? It's the Billy Graham Training Center over at the Cove. And Jim Cimbala was speaking. And I remembered the book I read from him many years ago, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And he's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn. And he was saying, you know, I'm in the middle of the hood, and that's where he is, his church. And his wife, she doesn't even know music. Did I hear that correctly? She's not even trained, but she leads the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. She what now? Nobody in the choir. That's the nobody in the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir even reads music. But she, oh, she does. Anyway, I knew I would mess it up. That's what she's here for to help me. Well, that's still pretty incredible victory. Sometimes you hear things different than I hear. I don't know, but that's just the. Anyway, it sounds good. Whatever the case is, it's a miracle that they're even singing. And so, but anyway, I, I wondered, am I going to see some of what I read in that book years ago in Jim Cimbala? And I did. You can tell there's a, that fire that, that's still burning. It's obvious. And, um, but you know, what would cause when the wind begins to blow? Now, there's a reason God has obviously led me to speak on this more than what I know. It wasn't, I just, I can't speak on something just because it seems really good thing to talk about. You know, I can't just go to the file cabinet and pull out sermon number 622, you know, and, and bring it out and wrinkle it. I just, I've never been able to do that. I just can't do it. If there's no fire on it, keep it in the shelf, you know, keep it in the file. But uh, so God had me do this. And just to remind you, the first thing that Finney said, when revival comes, what can stop it is when pride enters the workers. And he, I shared this before. It's not, you know, there, there's a part of the church or the religious community. Because we're looking for 
you know, something way beyond the four walls of a single church. We're looking for all across the land. Now, it's not the people that fold their arms up, you know, and they say, well, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to take a look and see, a wait and see attitude. And because of their worldliness or their pride, they won't have anything to do with it. That's not what grieves the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit is when the people that God begins to use begin to boast and they begin to brag and they say, well, it's because of our great prayer meetings that God has come. I know what it is. It's our great, you know, sermons or it's our worship or whatever it is. And when they begin to boast and they begin to exalt in themselves, then the Holy Spirit begins to wane. And then another thing he said is that churches or denominations would try to use the revival to proselytize for themselves. And I was thinking about that. Matthew 24, verse 14. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say in the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. And the good news of the church will be proclaimed in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. How many of you know that's not what it says? It doesn't say that. The good news of the church. Can you imagine how boring that would be? It's the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom of God. That the king is reigning. That the king is ruling over the earth. That demons flee when the king walks into a room. You know, that it's the kingdom of God. Jesus said, by this you'll know that the finger of God is among you. And that's evidence of the kingdom. Now, I know that the church has become big business today in America. And when we go to these conferences and we hear some of the things they tell us, I don't know, it's, it's like we're isolated out here, you know, in the middle of Moravian Falls. But there's stuff going on in the world, in the church in America, that I know has to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's become a big business. But the church is not the main business. The main thing is the Lord Jesus and His kingdom. And we're not going to draw people... Now, I know He's going to. the place is going to be overflowing to the rafters. I understand that. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is that the kingdom would advance. The king would receive all of the honor. That he would not receive or lose the reward of his suffering. And then Finney said a revival can be expected to cease when Christians lose the spirit of brotherly love. And, I, you know, I know that's true. And I can tell you, we've got to pray for our mission team. You've got to pray for our youth and our young adults. I've never been on a mission trip where somewhere along the way the enemy will cause something to happen to try to bring division or misunderstanding. It always happens. So we just pray in the name of Jesus. We break every spirit of division and every work that would try to bring all that misunderstanding stuff in the name of Jesus. It will not succeed over our mission team in Jesus' name. It's not going to happen. But it always, you know, there's these things that happen and your love for one another. You know, the Scripture says that, you know, the love of many will grow cold. Now, that's talking about our love for God, but it also means our love for one another. I can tell you, you want to see somebody that's not living in revival, listen to what they say about their brothers. If they're gossiping, I promise you revival ain't nowhere to be found in their life. No, you're not even going to have it. It's not even going to be close. And then another thing Finney said is the ability or the inability of denominations to lay aside their prejudice. That will grieve the Holy Spirit. And you, what I think he was referring to was, you know, the differences. You know, God comes in the way that he chooses. And not our way is always the right way. Because it's not our way, it's not your way, it's not their way, it's Yahweh that matters. You know what I mean? And the focus has to be on the one who is the way. And, uh, you know, there are some minors, you know, in the midst of revival, we can't focus on the minors, we got to focus on the majors, the major, the major doctrines of the faith. There's some things we will not compromise over. But there are other things, you know, they're just... They're, it's just the way they do things, and it's going to be okay. One of the blessings of this week, we heard Gigi Graham. Now, Gigi is, now, I say this right, she's the oldest daughter of Billy Graham, right? She didn't look very old, did she? She looked very young. She really did. She looked refreshed. But she was telling a story. You know, now, Billy Graham, he'll be 99 years old this year. And, and uh, he, most of the time, he, you know, he lays in the bed, but they put him in a wheelchair. And, you know, he just folds over his head and he sleeps all day. 
And he just doesn't say much. She said there was a time she went and she kept, you know, for hours, Daddy, Daddy, won't you say something? Daddy, I'm here. It's Gigi. Can you say good morning? And, and he looked up. He said, no. And he moved back down. That's what he said. But she said there was another time that, um, that she went to see him and, and, and uh, she kept trying to get his attention. This is the craziest computer I've ever seen in my life. You know what? There we go. We got it. Anyway, she went to see him. And uh, he wouldn't say anything for hours. So she's on the way out the door. And Billy Graham says, GG, stay focused. She, she, so she gets up. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, stay focused about what? What are you talking about? And he said, stay focused on the cross and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he put his head back down. <laughs> now, I tell you, that's, that's the focus. That's the main thing. And in revival, you've got to focus on the main thing. And the other things, you know, they will come and go. And then also, now this is something just to remember. He said, you can lose the, that fire or that anointing. In a, during a protracted meeting, if you do not allow the same ministers to continue ministering. So it's just something to remember, you know, about that. That if God's hand is on a certain person, then let that person, you run with that. If it's a young person or a child or whatever, you know, you just go with it. And uh, as long as, as that's possible, not all the time it's possible. It's just something to register. And then he said the unwillingness of those who minister to confront the pride of the unbelievers. And I know what they're talking about there. That's that easy believism. You know, in America it's easy to be a church member. And you can confuse church membership with being a disciple of Jesus. They have nothing to do with one another. They could have something to do with one another. I mean, we know there's the fellowship of the saints, and we're, we're a tool. The church is a tool and a community of believers. But uh, it's not necessarily true if you're a church member. And so we've got to confront the pride. Do you know how they, in the Old Testament, no, actually in the early church, the way they confronted easy believism, did anybody know how they did that? They did it through baptism. Baptism was the sign it also was what could cost you your life. But they said, if you are serious about following Jesus, then you must be baptized. And it was a public display, a public testimony. And there are places now in the world, when you're baptized, that's the end of it. You're going to pay a great price. And in America, we've got to call people. Listen, to follow Jesus means you, you're going to pay a great price. He said, come and follow me. Lay down your life. Take up your cross. And I believe that God is going to come and smash the easy believism that we've allowed people to believe. Another way to put it is counterfeit conversion. And then he said the failure of the preaching to address the problems of the age. That will also cause the spirit to wane. And, and we've not done that. We're not going to do that. But at the same time, we're going to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Are you with me? And then he said the spirit wanes when the people neglect... The greatest mission of the church, and that is the commission, the great commission. And you know, I thought, now Lord, that's pretty cool that we get to send three teams on the same day yesterday. And not only is that a sign, I believe it's a sign of revival in our midst. God is doing something that's pretty incredible. Don't lose sight of what He's doing right around us. Missions is big in the heart of God. And there's something He's doing. Many of you are going to go. On mission field. I believe that with all of my heart. And, um, and it's just an amazing time. Now there's other things. And next week I'll, I'll wrap that part of it up. But First Thessalonians chapter 4. You guys with me? Are you with me? Sometime when it's so quiet. I wonder is there anybody here? You know it reminds me of when I was a little kid. I would preach to the trees. And preach to my puppies. You know, they never responded. I get under the house. I don't know. It's just the way I was when I was a kid. I'd get under. We had a little on 1128 West State Street. We had this little porch and you could get under the house in those days. Do you ever anybody else play under the house? Some of you guys did. I would play under the house and I'd get my dog and I'd preach to my puppy. 
Repent, you sinner. You poo-pooed in the floor. You know, you, you know what I mean? Whatever. I was, anyway, it's just the way it was when I was a kid. But anyway, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Say more and more. Just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Now, in the Christian journey, the Christian life that we're called to, we're not called to be less than or equal to previous generations or previous moves. How many of you know that? We're called to be more than. More than our forefathers walked in. More than a previous time in our life when God was moving. There's never to be a time, well, this was equal to when I was a little kid or when I, you know, we had that move of God in Mississippi. You, we don't want what's equal, nor do we want what's less than. We want what's more than. Can you say amen to that? You know what I'm talking about. Remember Elisha. He didn't go to Elijah and say, okay, give me the anointing that is equal to you. That's not what he said, was it? He said, I want a double portion of what you got. And then Elijah, you know, said, okay, if you can basically see me when I'm taken up. And then he did everything to get rid of Elisha. But, but our, our reach, we should be reaching for far more than what we can grasp. And there should be that testimony of our life. That we're walking in more of the fire, not less of the fire. Does that sound in agree? Are you guys in agreement? I mean, there have been some times in our life, Shirley has a, had a time in college. She said the Spirit of God moved on her campus. She, that's when you were saved or somewhere around. And it was in, in college, she, a secular college. She actually went to California University in Pennsylvania. What kind of school is that? What do you all have, an Indiana University up there? Yeah, they do. You have a Delaware University? You know, that's ridiculous when I first heard that. Name it. You should have named it something else, but it's okay. But it was a move of God. But we don't want just what happened yesterday. You know, we not less than, not equal to, but more than. And I'm going to show you that in the Scripture. I'm just going to plant some seed, and then we're going to pray that God will stir the fire. And uh, then we'll just go to the house and whatever you're going to do today. But, but I want every time we come together, something is imparted that stirs and last throughout this lifetime and impacts eternity. I mean, I'm, that's just something he's put in my heart. I feel like I've got a lot of faith right now. Anybody feel like they have faith? How many of you feel like you have no faith? You know, there's some people that feel that way, but I'm telling you, you got faith. If you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you'd be dangerous. And you've got at least that much. But, uh, but let's just look at some things that I believe God wants us to have more of. And the first one is what I mentioned, faith. Now, I've always told that story, you know, about Corey Ten Boom, how that she was going to speak at this university and these kids came to her and they said, oh, Corey, you're a woman of great faith. And she she stopped them and she said, no, 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 no. It's not that I'm a woman of great faith. It's that I'm a woman. I have faith in a great God. Don't you ever forget it. Now, I still believe that. But still, the disciples, did they not pray, increase our faith? Increase our faith. And I know there's faith in God, but there's also the faith of God. The faith of Jesus. And I'm telling you, to walk in the things that He's called us to in this hour, we're going to need the faith of God. We're going to need not less than, not equal to, but more faith than we've ever walked in before. How many of you would agree with that? And I think we can ask God, if the disciples said increase our faith, we are the disciples today, we can pray, oh God, increase our faith. Because in these last days there are going to be great challenges. But the great challenges are nothing but great opportunities to those who are walking in great faith in a great God. That's probably a good way to put it. And that way you've covered all the bases. Because God is greater. It's, we're not, we don't have faith in faith. That's another thing that came through the church in America. How I many of you remember that? Your faith in faith. And so if something happened, they accused you of having no faith. And then you got condemned. Well, I, well, I must not have, oh, ye of little faith. 
And you know, there may be some, some truth in that where you forgot what God is or who God is or what God has said about you. But the greatest deeds in the history, I'm, believe, I'm going to speak this. The greatest deeds throughout Christendom are going to happen from here to the end of the age. Revelation says this will be the righteous acts of the saints. And God is getting saints, everyday, normal, Monday through Sunday saints, ready to do great deeds. Children are going to walk in great faith. And we won't brag about so much of their faith. We know there's a great God that they believe in. But it's still going to be. So, Lord, we pray this morning. God, I ask you for every one of us. There are situations we're facing right now. Lord, increase our faith. We won't have faith in faith. Our faith is in God. You alone. We look to you. We come to you. But, Lord, we ask you to increase our faith. How many of you need that? We just pray. Lord, I ask you. We ask you. In the name of Jesus. You said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So we're asking. Now, increase our faith. Release the measure of faith. A measure beyond. In Jesus' name. And we receive that by faith. And then another thing. John 14 and verse 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works. What does it say? Greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And the reason for the greater works is in verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so why do we need greater works? Because of the greater glory that's about to be released all over the earth. You know, when we get here on, on June 24th, one thing we want to pray, Elaine, we're going to pray that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth like the water covers the sea. Because that's God's desire. So we're going to somehow break up the nations. David, Jody, we'll figure it out. We'll pray for the Canadians. We'll pray for south of us. We'll pray for India, Africa. But we want to, I don't know if we can mention all the nations, but we're going to pray. They've been believing you, God. It's been prophesied in Belize for a great revival. God, we ask you, flood Belize with your glory. God, you said you would fill the whole earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So we can pray for that. But there are going to be greater works in this hour so that he may be glorified. Amen. Is that okay? You guys know that. Yeah, I know you know it. You remember that verse. Some of us, we've heard that verse preached hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Okay, well, where are the greater works? Well, they've been reserved for the greatest time in history and the greatest people on the earth, and that's you and me. Nobody said amen. Listen, if you're chosen to live at the end of the age, God had a lot of stock. He had a lot of confidence. He's up to something beyond what you are capable of being up to. He would not have placed you in this world at this time in history if he didn't know that there's something in you that this world would never be the same because you showed up and you walked through the crowd. And it's greater is he that's in us, and we know that. And then Daniel eleven thirty two: those who know their God shall do equal to exploits. Is that what it says? Less exploits than Moses and, you know, Abraham and Paul and... No, greater than, greater, great exploits. And we already said our reed should exceed our grass. God will define what is great. And then John 15, you guys with me? He said, in fact, just turn with me. Let me read this. John 15. This is one of those verses you, you wonder about. I don't know if you always want, to, want it to happen. But it happens. But you've got to read the whole story. And in verse, John 15, verse 1, Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes. And so there, you have no choice in the matter. You're either going to be taken away, you're going to be pruned. One or the other. But the reason that He prunes the fruit is that it may do what? It may bear more fruit. And then in verse 
4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. How many of you know that's true? How many of you found out you can do absolutely nothing without him? Absolutely no thing. Nothing. And then verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, there it is, you can do no thing, nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear, what? Much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And so we're not just a soul. Some fruit, little fruit, we're to sow much fruit. Much fruit. Can I tell you, the greatest fruit is yet to come. The greatest fruit. How do I know that? Because there's been some pruning going on. If there's pruning going on, that is the pruner has shown up and he's preparing you for more fruit. How many of you feel a little pruned sometimes in your life? That's a good thing. You would rather be pruned than thrown away or thrown into the fire, right? And so it's going to be one or the other. So we thank you, God, for the pruning. We want more fruit. I tell you, we got to have what Elisha had. We don't want an equal anointing to Elijah. Now, that would be pretty wild in and of itself. But we don't want that. God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to have a heart that, God, I want, I want a double portion. I want, I don't want 30 fold. I don't want 60 fold. I want 100 fold fruit. I want my children to bear 100 fold fruit. I want this generation. I want churches in our region. God, we want the maximum fruit. Amen. Anybody with me? You guys got to shout a little bit up here. I feel like I'm by myself sometimes. You got to just keep it going. But even if you don't, I'm not going to bear, I'm not going to burn out. It's already been prophesied. I will never be a dripless candle. I think of that all the time. That one of the first prophecies I ever received. I didn't even know what prophecy was. I thought, what is that? You're the latest demon. I didn't know. You don't know all this kind of stuff. You know, you're brought up in a traditional thing. Everything different looks like a demon. In fact, they told us it was a demon. They told me all kinds of stuff was a demon. Then I realized, wait a minute. They said Jesus had demons too. You know that? How many of you know that? Well, as long as you're in the Word and you're in the Spirit, you ain't got no demon. If you ask, you know, then He's not going to give you. You ask for the best, He's not going to give you a serpent. But we want more fruit, God. We want more fruit. We want 100-fold fruit. Now, let's ask Him. You know, when you go back to India, we have missionaries getting ready to go places, and they've told me they're going back. Listen, I know we've borne fruit. But the best is yet to come. And I want to prophesy over your life, over whatever you, you're doing, whatever, your children, your ministry. Lord, we thank you. Right now, I prophesy over everyone in this room, everyone under the sound of my voice. God, we thank you for the fruit that you've allowed us to bear in times past. We thank you for the 30-fold, the 60-fold. But now we prophesy 100-fold fruit. In the name of Jesus. God, we are asking you for a double portion. Lord, we don't want less than. We don't, are not going to settle with equal to. We want more than, than we've ever borne. More fruit. We declare it over this ministry. We declare it over the gathering. We declare it over the church and our nation. God, we pray more fruit than we've ever known in the history of the church in our land. God, we pray for that. And we know it comes by the Spirit and by the Word of God. And we declare it and we release it in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father. So we're going to bear more fruit. And then we won't read there, but over in Acts chapter 4, verse 33 and 34, here's what it says. It says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection, and great grace was upon them. So there are two things. They had great power, and they had great grace. We need both. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. That's what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the end of the age and the last days is all about. 
It's fresh power from heaven. That's why he's going to allow men to feel so powerless in this hour, so hopeless. We are powerless and we are hopeless without him. But with him, we have more than enough power and more than enough grace. We're going to have, I tell you, now I know we, we are people that grace is always with us, right? Every day you wake up, you have grace. His grace is sufficient. His grace. But can I tell you, it's like a boatload of grace is coming to your front door. I'm telling you, there are trains coming with fresh release, revelation of grace. Grace, grace. I know they're the grace preachers and all that stuff. Well, you know, they do have a measure of truth there. We need grace. Grace. Remember, in the Old Testament, the mountains were too big. What did they shout? They shouted, grace, grace. A double portion of the grace of God. So I just want to shout that over you. How many of you are in a situation that you need the grace of God to get you through it? Anybody? There's probably a few of us. Okay? So, Lord, I just want to right now, by faith, God, you led people here from Wyoming and Ohio and other places. Lord, you didn't lead them here just to go to a Sunday meeting. You led them here to encounter the presence of God. And so, God, I just declare over their life and everyone in this room, I declare right now over every situation, there are people dealing with sicknesses, dealing with family members. Part of our church is dealing with a situation right now in Ohio that if I don't know how you and I could deal with it, it's with their son. God, we just right now, we say grace, grace over all of these situations in the name of Jesus. And we release that and we receive that by faith. We thank you, God, we couldn't earn and never could be good enough for the grace. But it's freely given and we receive it. Amen. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, here's what it says. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all the saints. And so another thing we're going to need in this hour, not only more power, more grace, we're going to need more love. Remember that song? You got the juice to sing that more love, more power. More of you. You could have had love. More love. It is. More love. More power. More of you in my life. You know, that song is prophetic. The only way you're going to get more love and more power is when there's more of Him in your life. You know what I'm talking about. So that really is, that was a really awesome song, whoever wrote that, that we used to sing many years ago. But we need more love. We need a baptism of love. And I think God's bringing us to that. I'm starting to love folks. You know, I, I see the ridiculous things they say and the unbelievable things they believe, you know, and there's a part of you that does grieve. It's like Lot. You know, how can these people say things on the media? How do they believe? And we know there's a, there's a lot of lying going on, and we understand that, but there's like a love coming to us for the people. What kind of, what is, what kind of deal is this? What is this? Because God loves them. For God so loved the world. And uh, we talked about it. Was it last week or the week before? That lady, Kathy Griffith, that hung up, you know, the head of our president. Some people didn't even know that happened until they heard us talk about it. It was a grotesque, you know. But I, there was a love in my heart for her. I said, well, you know, you said we would have never even known about her had she not done that ridiculous thing. And so now we know about her. Now she's doomed. We're going to pray God will get her. She'll be saved. She'll come to Christ. She'll be confronted with the love of God. You know what I'm talking about. God's going to do that in us. We've got to have that kind of love if we're going to walk in the measure of revival that God wants us to walk in. People, you know, that's been in my heart if you've been around here forever. You know, I guess it's something he just spoiled me with in Mississippi when I saw what God does when he comes into a community. You know, it just spoiled us. And now, I don't know, it's, I can't get it out of my system. I want to see revival spread across the nation. I want to see America set ablaze with revival. I want to see churches come alive. 
I don't understand this burden. You know, but I'm going to run with it. You pray, God, don't ever let him lose that. But people ask, you know, they say, you always talk about revival. What are you talking about? What do you want, just some little church? No. Little church, forget that. Little church is okay. We want a nationwide great awakening. We want souls saved. Bob Jones came back from the dead. Remember, he saw a billion souls saved. Well, he didn't get to see a billion souls, but he touched the lives of you and me. He's laying in the ground not too far from here. His bones are crying out right now for a billion souls. I tell you, heaven is crying out for a billion souls. And we're going to believe God. We've got to get ready. Get ready. People always tell me that too. They say, you're not ready. Church isn't ready. Let me tell you, God will define them when we're ready. Because you're not going to be ready in your own flesh anyway. It's not going to be my, by might, nor by man's power, or man's conniving. It's by the Spirit, saith the Lord. And it's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit. We preach the Word. We yield to the Holy Spirit. We're ready. We're ready for whatever God wants to do. People, then you, they say, well, what if a thousand people get saved overnight? That's why we built the platform out there. We'll just have a meeting outside. I'll call you. Hey, you got to get up. Go disciple the thousand souls. We'll figure it out. Okay, we're going to work it out. But I'm believing. How many of you are believing for something bigger than yourself? Listen, I don't want to be at the end of my life saying, boy, I made it. I hung on. I was equal to. I was less than. No, I'm more than. And there's one thing I forgot. There's one more more than in the Bible I wanted to, to emphasize. Do you remember what it is? You are more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. He didn't just tag you as an overcomer. He said you're more than a conqueror. And we always triumph in Christ Jesus. Even our greatest defeats. I'll never forget learning that lesson. I know you, some of you learned it the same way when I was part of my journey and I, de I was defeated royalty. How many of you ever been royally defeated? You know what I mean? You just fell. You were defeated. You blew it. Am I the only one? Nobody raised your hand. How many of you have ever blown it somewhere along your life? Royally, you, defeated, you were defeated. You lost. And I remember the time I was walking. I was in... Texas, that short little time that I lived in Waco, and it was in a spirit-filled church, and I was God was introducing me to praise and worship, and I was I would weep when they would sing, you know, it was just an amazing journey. But I would go out on this lake on Sunday nights, and I would pray. I'd walk along, and I remember, I remember God spoke to me one night, and He said, David, the greatest defeats in your life will become your greatest victories. I will use them for your greatest victories. And I've seen them happen. And there's a lot more yet to come. And I want to prophesy that over you. Your greatest defeats will only the foundation that leads to your greatest victories if you trust and you give them to Him. He's a God. He is, he is, a, he is the great. He is God. He's great. Amen. And you, I'm telling you, the God in you is great. So how do I wrap this up? I don't know. Just keep preaching. That'd be good. When, when revival breaks out, we're just going to hand the mic off. No, 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 no. It, whoever he uses. We've got to remember that point by, by Finney. If the hand of God is on a woman or a man or a boy... You, you let them. You don't take it from them until you see maybe God has changed. It's going to be a walk of the Spirit, isn't it? So we'll need a lot of discernment. We'll have to look over at one another. Does that guy have the Does he have the anointing? If he gets up and grabs the, the mic, if he doesn't have the anointing, Rocky, you grab it back from him. You understand? You, 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 you get him. You sick him. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll knock that guy out of you. It ain't going to happen. We got to steward, preserve, keep, guard. But, but we'll find that the, the move of the Spirit is it's a move of the Spirit. Flesh is not going to have a lot of say so. You know what I'm talking about. 
He's not going to have a lot of say so. The flesh profits nothing. But it's the Spirit. So Lord, I just um, want to thank you, God, for this, our family. We are, I feel, we're a family. And Lord, you gave us a vision to see this nation shaken from a little place that nobody, well, some people know about it because people came to visit us. They obviously know about us. But Lord, we just, Lord, you changed the world from a little baby that was born in a stall, in a manger. God, we ask you, do something from Moravian Falls, North Carolina, that would cause your name to become so famous. And we're asking you, not only in this nation, but in the nations of the earth. Lord, we believe you for that. And God, I pray now for the people. Lord, you'd just come and release fresh vision and faith and fire. God, we declare we want more, not less, not equal to. We want more, more love, more power, more grace. Lord, thank you. The Scriptures declare we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. And when we're secure in His love, then, then we understand that far better. And so, Lord, we ask You for a revelation of the love of God and a revelation of the Son of God. Lord, we ask You to use us. Use our children. Lord, we pray right now for our children, wherever they are, scattered about. Lord, we call them in to the purpose of heaven. We call them into the plan that God has for them. Lord, we pray, raise them up. Rescue them from every enticement, every entrapment. Lord, we declare they're your inheritance and they're also ours. And we lay them at your feet. And we thank you. And Lord, we pray if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, anybody watching by web stream, if you don't know Jesus, my friend, this is the time. This is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't wait any longer. You don't want to wait till the lights go out. The light is on. Jesus is the light of the world. And so just right now, just call upon Him in your heart. Just confess. Just say, God, I need you. And I confess Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and He rose from the dead. And I ask You to forgive me of my sin. And I choose You to be my Lord, my Savior. And I thank You. I thank You. And God, I pray, Lord, release fresh anointing this morning.